to the Progression Health Podcast. I'm here with Dr. James Timmons. James, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi, my name is James Timmons. Um, I'm from Dublin, Ireland, and I'm currently based in Palma, to New York. And uh, my specialty is um, exercise, health, and well-being for Brilliant. So you have a, a master's as well as a PhD. So do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your master's and strength and conditioning background? Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, I did. An, my undergrad is in sports science and then I went on to do a master's in strength and conditioning in the university. So at that stage, I was, uh, the reason I would have done that is because I was working in high performance sports and also as an aging athlete myself, I was trying to prolong my own um, <laughs> career and playing football. So the two coupled together really helped me obviously learning in terms of really focusing on the strength and conditioning aspect and the sports before. Performance, and then obviously trying to prolong my career in terms of injury prevention. Except. While I was doing my master's as well, I also did the, the CSCS, which is a Certified Strength Conditioning uh, Qualification from the NSCA in the United States. And that also helped me then to work with the elite sports teams. And while I was there doing that as well, I was working in the high-performance um, units in UCD um, with all the athletes there. So I, I originally did it for effectively to work in high-performance good yeah you, you see um kip Joge, he broke his own record for the marathon there and he's 37 i think um were you able to extend your career and you know what do you think of people i think when they stop uh whatever age they stop at in their 30s you know they, they seem to come to a, an abrupt stop but can you extend your career do you think from your experience i yeah it's a cool okay well first of all in the marathon that was an amazing achievement and uh, even if you're to roll, if you're to run one kilometer at his pace you'd be doing very well so um but I mean, he's just unbelievable. In I mean, he's a genetic freak as well as obviously a really hardworking athlete, of course. Um, to answer that question, it's an interesting one. I, I think what happens to people as they get into their, say, let's call it mid-30s, uh, a number of things have happened. One is they've probably been playing elite sport all their life. So they, and depending how they've looked after themselves through the years and depending on their, let's say, the sports science setup they've had or their strength conditioning background will dictate, I suppose, you know, how well they're able to prolong their career. But let's just take it as a given that they've had maybe 30 years of wear and tear in their bodies. So they've joint wear and tear, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of mileage on the legs. So that obviously starts causing problems, okay? Because, you know, fatigue eventually sets in. I don't, I mean, just fatigue, not muscle fatigue, but I'm talking about just overall in the body. What ends up happening then as well is that maybe motivation might start to, to decline based on, for lots of factors, maybe to do a job, maybe to do with family, maybe to do the social aspect. So it's a culmination of a lot of things why people often retire, let's say, mid-30s. However, with obviously um, improvements in sports science, and with education and knowledge about nutrition and in terms of recovery strategies in sports, I think if you start at an earlier age, so as you go into say, whether it's elite level sport or even let's say adult level sport, and you already start to put in the, say, good recovery strategies and obviously recovery being, you can talk about all these, you know, like in terms of say ice baths, uh, hot and cold showers, compression, uh, hydrotherapy, etc., or cryotherapy and all that stuff. The main thing that you need to focus on is your sleep, your nutrition and your hydration. And if you get those th- those three things right throughout your whole career, I think you can add years on to the end. So I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things to start stop early. But I think if you do get those three particular things right, having good rest and recovery, I I, I think that you, you can definitely prolong your career up towards the age of 40 and beyond. Obviously, it depends on what type of sport it is. If it's a more endurance-based sport, you can go further. If it's more explosive, that becomes a bit more difficult because of the, maybe if it's, say, soccer, Gaelic football, the twisting and turning nature is in things like endurance athletes, you know, th- there's less of that. You know, you're not, there's less physicality from that perspective involved yeah absolutely i'm just thinking of another i think it's is it gary gabriel Selassie or how do you pronounce Selassie. his name and yeah he's like 40 and he's still running or mo farah so i think yeah it depends on the sport like totally. yeah and talking about sleep and i know i think people were like to lebron james like how do you stay so uh fit for so long and he was just like i take like naps he sleeps like 10 hours or something in the season so the recovery is a huge part of it um and then just on my last podcast uh, uh dr jacob templer was saying about how body's not really like car right so it's not like get the wear and tear adds up physically and, and you meant mentioned like motivation and stuff like that i feel as though people lose motivation as their career goes on do you think that'd be a bigger factor than the physical wear and tear that would slow people down or what what's your thoughts on that yeah i i, I think it's 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 it does not it's not a straightforward answer i think that yeah i, I do think motivate like like in anything i think motivation plays a massive part in, in any aspect of life whether you want to do a, a master's degree a phd if you want to get on your job you want to continue your career i i i think think though if you have wear and tear and you start to slow down and maybe you find that a younger person's taking your place or that you as a let's say tennis player as an example you start winning as much then it, they go hand in hand so like 
If you're winning less, your motivation might go down. Whereas if you're still at the top and you're winning a lot, then probably you're motivated to keep going. So I think it's like, you know, it's the chicken and the egg situation. You know, I, I do believe motivation is a massive part of us, but I also do believe that, you know, motivation drops based on, on performance or based on what the up and coming stars are going to, are going to do. And I also think as you get older, um, also you mentioned LeBron James. I'm a massive Roger Federer fan. Just retired. I'm very sad about that. But one thing Roger Federer did very well was manage to schedule well and also was a massive fan of sleep as well so like you know he was so clued in to sleeping as you said probably 10 plus hours a night or if he wasn't getting it in the night you know doing it through the day as well so you know I, I, I hope that answers the question I'm trying to say I, I, I do think motivation is very important but I do think the physical compo- the physical aspect of it can impact on your motivation. Yeah, yeah. If you get a particularly bad injury, I'd imagine that would just knock your motivation altogether. Like if you were out for a couple of months, like your motivation is going to be so low because of that. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Federer. My, one of my clients is a t- tennis mat. So she comes into the gym on her phone and she's warming up on her phone. And she's I took a video, I put it on social media. She's warming up uh, on the TRX and she's looking at Federer's retirement speech and stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's only <laughs> it's only a warm up, so I'll allow it. But like, we're going to finish the session strong. You're going to make up for this. So yeah, um, it was sad to see him retire. He's a god of tennis, so she's she's allowed to that. I know. I'm like, this is a one-off, like so it'll be it'll be you know not coming on happening again. But um, so obviously, yes, I assume you're retired from your, your soccer, like the intensity you're playing at before. Do you think your motivation has changed, and like just how have you dealt with sort of like I guess getting older but still staying active? Because I think that'd be like a huge challenge for people when when you're 20. You know, people are just like so unaware of like fatigue, sleep, drinking, even you know all these different factors, and then you really feel everything when you're in your 30s and 40s so how do you manage I guess uh, getting older and staying active it's depressing isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, sorry, there is I am not going to get old I, I just I, people say you slow down as you get older I'm like I'm like refusing to slow down I'm like trying to speed up yeah, so, okay. so yeah there's loads of points there as you said so I'm going to just try to take each point at a time but it's really, yeah. really interesting but you said one thing about let's say there's one thing about sorry about why people stop as well just to go back on that point you made a point about say in your 20s where people go out drinking they you know, they basically just show up, they barely do a warm-up, barely cool down, they just do it. That's one thing as, that's another thing that, that feeds into maybe finishing up early is the time and effort you have to put in probably doubles what you had to do 10 years ago. That, that is another factor that why people might decide they, they lose motivation because they're just not motivated enough to put in the time and effort. Sorry, that's the first thing I want to just address that. Um, secondly is, yeah, I stopped playing at 35, so I'm 41 now. Um, but one thing that I was always interested in was like I've, I've all like ever since I was a child in any sport I played right like I you know I would have played rugby soccer and athletics at a reasonably you know high level I so I was always interested in the physical component of the sport as well that that's probably why I studied what I studied so for me when I stopped playing it wasn't a case of oh well I'm going to stop playing and that's it like I probably train harder now than I did when I was playing because when I was playing I had to manage my training based on a game at the weekend or to the week. Whereas now, if you don't have a game, um, you know, you hit the gym more, you can run more, you can go for cycles, you know, like, and so actually I'm training as hard as ever. <laughs> so I, I don't, um, I don't find it a, a distraction. I've actually a friend who lives in London, a PT, and he said to me, like, we were just talking about our, our training routines and he does a small bit every day. And he goes, I just train like a, a professional athlete. And I just go, well, I'm not, but it's for me to train not only physically, but mentally, it just—it's like a—I I probably it's probably a stress relief. Just it really, when I train, I feel—I just feel great. And obviously, when, when, if I go running or cycling, or if I play a five-a-side, or if I go to the gym, they all do different. They all have different components to them, both physically and mentally, that feed into probably a distressor um, for me. So, like, and then you made one last point about slowing down. You're completely right. So like, you know, from the age of 30, unfortunately, that's that's when the aging process begins. Like there are minor, minor, minor components that kick in every year. But I would be on your wavelength saying that's what you should be. Don't slow down. You know, keep going, keep going. If you stop, you will slow down. If you keep going, you're going to maintain, well, you're going to either augment or maintain your muscle mass. You're going to increase your function. You're going to increase your strength. Your cardiovascular health is going to go up. And, you know, ultimately, as you get, say, very, very old, say 75 plus, of course, you're going to have a drop off in lean muscle tissue, right? But the advantage is if you have more as you get to that age, then, you know, although you're dropped, you're still going to have a drop off. But because you start off a more, it won't be as severe. Whereas if someone who was, let's say, weak um, and let's say frail and didn't have the required muscle mass, they're going to drop off as well. But they're going to be in big trouble because if they have a fall at that age, they're, you know, they're going to break something. And if you break something at that age, you know, you have a much uh, higher chance of dying. 
that that is the truth because you become immobile, you know, and then other things start to happen. So you're right. You should keep going, keep going. Don't age is a number. Absolutely, yeah. You're only as uh, as old as you feel. Um, yeah, to, I'm trying to get my clients just to squat like a lot more, just with that idea that their hips, like keeping the hips strong, keeping the legs strong. Because really, if there's only one thing you need to do in your training is is to get it like or outside of your training, I would say, is to be able to like stand up and sit down effectively. If you can do that till you're 90, you won't need to go to a nursing home. Like you know, like obviously, if you get diabetes or metabolic syndrome, that's different. But it's kind of like yeah, that that's the core function we want to maintain. Um, I'm just thinking of uh, you were saying that you know we need to do more as we get older. You know, uh, the former rugby player, the Connacht rugby player, he's swimming across the Atlantic right now. Oh, oh, oh yeah, following him, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's yeah. rowing, he's rowing across the Atlantic. His, I can't think of his name, but Alshak is his name. And yeah, Chuck, yeah, no, I know you're yeah, Damien, is it Damien Brown? Damien, is it Brown? Damien? That might be his co-swimmer. I can't think of his name. But anyway, he is, what is he doing? Like 10 hours exercise every single day for like 100. He's done 100 days in a row now and he's retired from rugby. So it's kind of like, do we need to slow down as we get older? How many miles is he on his body as a professional rugby player? Like? He's a, well, he is just, I've been calf following him and he is, uh, honestly, I'm like, I was just listening to him uh, and he was doing about, t- as you said, 10 and a half hours of rowing a day. He's sleeping on average five hours a night. Now, I think he should sleep more. I think he'd actually have better. He he and he admits that kind of that maybe his uh his motor he should actually sleep more because he'd have more energy then to to row but he's just so focused I mean I have utmost respect both like I don't know how he does it both physically and mentally he he's must he's insane but in a good way yeah and just see people like there's a guy right now in the UK and he's doing a thousand miles in ten days I think it is so he's doing a hundred mile run every day on a trail run so that's sixty miles that's like two and a half marathons a day for ten days in a row and uh, it's kind of just like I don't want to say that we can all do that but like I'm like in my head I'm like could we all do a mile a day absolutely could we do two yeah three you know, so it's kind of like, I think we could all do so much more. It's a, a lot of it is just psychology, getting rid of those limiting beliefs that like, I'm retired from soccer now, I need to slow down. It's like, no, like just switch, kind of pivot, you know, like, so you're doing other forms of exercise and it's just kind of like figure out something else that suits your your body now at 40 compared to when you were 20 doing all these twists and turns, you know? Exactly. And and actually, you know, you, I, I think it's a way, it, it's, you need to think about it as, as I said, from a physical perspective, of course, like in terms of the health benefits of, you know, obviously the stronger you are, it's good for your bone density. It's obviously, it lost at the chance of getting, you you know, sarcopenia, which is muscle wastage and all dradal setting in. Obviously, you know, avoiding metabolic syndrome. Of course, you can't guarantee that it's going to do that because the genetic components, of course, play a part. But realistically, genes are about 25% that plays a part in how you are going to grow old. So about 75 to 80% is uh, your, your lifestyle and how you choose to live, both in terms of your sleep, both in terms of nutrition, and both in terms of your exercise components. And I think you made a good point is, like, some people can't run because they don't like it. That's fine. Find something you like or something that you're good at and you need to put it into your daily um, routine. That's what you have to do. I actually listened to Brian O'Driscoll talk recently, just, um, you know, the Irish rugby captain, before, former Irish rugby captain. And he was saying that when he stopped playing rugby, he said for the first six months, he, uh, he, um, I, I don't want to use bad language, so I won't, but he said he, st- he kept training because they're all the, all the guys were saying you become a fat, um, something. But so he, he kept training and then he said he hit a low for two years where he, he basically took a dip. And he says, mum, it's really interesting. His mum did a, took a, did a kind of a, a, not a photo shoot, but did a book like of, of his career. And he looked at himself as an athlete versus now. And he said he got depressed. She said that motivated him to, to exercise. And he said, now exercise is part of his daily routine. And, you know, he said, it's only a bit every day, but it, it's more even just mentally to feel good about himself. And, you know, you present yourself well. I think he's, I think the, the key I got out of that is that he feels mentally good and it's fitted into a schedule. And, it, and everyone at the start of the week or start of the day, I all, I do it as well. Like, when am I training this? Way? So I know my day when I have that half an hour, hour or two, whatever it is, and I go, and th- th- that's what, like, it takes discipline. It's, it's, you know, it's not just a case of, you know, I want to do it. Of course I want to do it. But there's a discipline of a time scheduling in around your work, around your family, around whatever extracurricular activities you may have. And I think it's important that you get it in. Yeah, I think as well, the discipline, just in my experience, it's a discipline to plan. Because if you're arriving on a Monday morning and you're like, right, what am I going to do today? You've got 101 excuses on the Monday morning. But if you are there on the Sunday night and you're like, right, you know, could I exercise on Monday? No, it's not a good day. What about Tuesday? Yeah, it's a better day. And then I'll take a rest Wednesday and then I'll do it Thursday. And then sure, I'll get a session in on Saturday or Sunday, you know? So the discipline is like, it's not 
not uh, to do it on the day because uh, that's pure like raw motivation. It's it's the discipline to plan, plan out in advance and say, I'm going to do, you know, two sessions or four sessions. And I know, when you have a clear head, like on a Sunday night, I can't like make that point enough. It's just so much better to plan uh, ahead of time than on the fly. I totally. I mean, I, I, I think you need to have a contingency plan in place. Say, right. Okay, if, you know, so say you have three sessions a week planned, and, but you have also then a, a kind of a floating space where well, if something comes up on that day, I can still get it in another time. That's, I think it's important to have that extra planning in place. I, I have that as well. I always have a contingency. Okay, if something happens for whatever reason, I'm able to throw it in there. It's just planning because you said. Yeah, yeah, I'd be like that actually with, uh, I'd move things around. So I have like a short session or a long session. And then if, if the time allows, I'll do the longer session. But if it doesn't, I switch it around. And then sometimes yeah. you definitely, I think it's a bit of discipline to be like, uh, yeah, you know what? Like I have to kind of decide between like, do I want to just have a quiet, chill afternoon? Or do I want to like get this session in and then maybe enjoy the weekend a bit more because I've been disciplined? You know, it's kind of trade-off. I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's easy to just uh, not do it. Absolutely. But then I think, I don't know, do you get this? If you don't do exercise, uh, a bit of kind of guilt or, or sort of just like could have done better there, you know? Do you, ever, do you ever just not do a session and you're just like, yeah, I know I could have. I knew, I know I had the time. I know I had the ability and I just said no. Do you ever get that? I do. I, I mean, yeah, I, I do. But I, I have to admit, it would be something that I would rarely do. Uh, and I try to justify my head saying I needed the rest. But if, no, I, at this stage of my life, because I'm obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been training all my life. It's not something new to me. I'm, I, I know when my body needs to rest. So sometimes, I, sometimes I have a planned session. I may not do it because I know actually I'm better off not doing it. I, I'm listening to my body. But what you're saying, yeah, if I didn't do it just for the sake of not doing it as an excuse. Like I'd feel really, I feel guilty. I would, yeah. but I, I don't think everyone has that guilt. I, I, I mean, I think we're speaking maybe from a different perspective, and that's something to understand both as a trainer or a sports scientist or whatever your background is. Or anyone, I think it's really important to understand that we us or the trainer is not the client and they might have a completely different mindset to us so that's just worth bearing in mind of course oh, absolutely i think we're talking about like the, the endorphins we get from like exercise and i know for a fact that a lot of people don't get that at all like, we're very lucky to get that so yeah just doing stuff that you enjoy doing activity you enjoy is so so important which is your expertise in working with older adults how can we stay exercising you know for the long term how can we adhere to a workout plan and, and maintain our health as we get older, especially as the world's population is getting older? Yeah, so that's a good point. So, like, we all know that the world, like, the world is getting older and, you know, across the board. Not only are we getting older, we're getting more sedentary. So, like, just because we're living longer doesn't necessarily going to mean we're going to live health. So my mantra is trying to match your health span to your life. And what that means in simple terms is, is if you live to 100, right, that's your um, lifespan. But if you only health into your 80, but that means you're going to have 20 years of bad health. So that's your health. So ultimately, the, 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 what you're trying to do is live as long as possible, but as healthy as possible. So I always say live to 100. The first 99 and a half years is in good health. Now, if the last six months aren't too bad, okay, I think you've had a good innings with that. So that's the first kind of thing people need to understand is living longer is, is well, is great. But a lot of that's due to modern medicine and, and technology. And, and, you know, that's going to continue to happen. Right? But we need to make sure that we're offsetting that with a healthier uh, lifestyle. And the best ways to do that, obviously, are, you know, good sleep habits, good sleep habits, good nutrition habits, and good exercise habits. My expertise is certainly in the exercise component of that. So what you're trying to do is then, as you're living longer, you Years ago, it would have been doctors or GPs or would have said medics, okay, you know, you need to rest, slow down. But actually, you don't. You need to, you treat individual person as an individual and say, right, you need to keep going as we discussed earlier. So, you know, I'm not saying someone who's never ran before in their life and you get them at seven years of age, you get them from a marathon. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, if you had a seven-year-old who has been running all their life, there's no reason why they shouldn't continue to run if their body allows. Obviously then, you may offset that and say, right, well, they have a knee joint pain, an ankle joint pain, you might, you know, but you might say, right, we're going to do some maybe cross training or we're going to do some cycling or rowing something that's still cardiovascular working on the cardiovascular health but is maybe saving their joints if they can't do that so the important part is is that to what i would say is whoever whatever the individual likes to do and if they try to um push them in that and get them to keep going and if they don't like doing something well you're going to have to persuade them encourage them that actually the the you know the the, the opportunity cost of not doing something is, is basically early death or or living a horrific lifestyle that you're going to med, medicate up and you're going to be lose your dependence so what more, every old rat wants is independence so then you um you encourage them and you get them motivated to do that okay because everyone certainly from an exercise adherence perspective 
would have excuses not to do it. So you need they need to know the importance, obviously. Uh, we all, like, we don't, but certainly we would know the importance of uh, strength training, right? And, but cardiovascular training is just as important. Cardio would have been the original one that everyone should have said to do. And now it's gone the other way. Everything needs to stretch. The reality is you need to do what's called concurrent training, which is cardiovascular strength, training and strength. Training. And the tunes together are a lethal combination, potent combination to improve your cardiovascular health, which is the most important muscle in your body. If you don't have your cardiovascular health, you know, if that stops, you're pretty screwed. But obviously also then your uh, musculoskeletal health, which is really important to, for particularly for uh, bone density and obviously mental lean tissue strength and function. If you lose all those, again, you're in trouble because then you might uh, fall and break something, be frail and weak. And if you do that as you get older, and again, you're probably going to uh, die young. So it's that, that's that's the education importance of it. The adherence, so that's, the science will say one thing. That's great. Me and you can have a discussion here all day and talk about the science. And we can grade and promote it to everyone. But that's that's not good enough because how do you get the older adults, that individual, to embrace uh, what you're telling them and actually do it on a consistent, regular basis? Everyone wants that magic pill. But you know what the magic pill is? As you know, this is consistency. Consistency is the magic pill. So from my empirical research and also then from my own uh, anecdotally in, in terms of my own uh, work that I'm doing uh, currently, and particularly of the last 10 years working with older adults, is they're not quite the same as what a younger, say, model wants to do. Okay, When I say model, I don't literally mean model. I just mean a younger version of that person. Older adults value... Um, Maybe the knowledge of the trainer that, 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 that has trained them. Okay. They also value that they're not trying to get uh, ripped or jacked or buffed for the gym. They don't like actually that gym environment, but they're actually, they have definitely more, uh, they're, they're trying to have things more like, can I play with my grandkids? Right. Can I live on my own? <clears throat> you know, can I do all the things I always do on a regular basis? And those type of things are much more important. I'm not saying that people don't want to look good. But it's about then getting them into that environment. And I found the best way is to like create an environment that's not a claustrophobic gym environment, but it's that sociable element that they're getting good cardio hits, a good strength hit, a good mobility hit. But also that social co- component to it. They might have a you know a glass of whatever, a cup of tea afterwards or something like that. But there is that type of social element to it. And then they feel accountable to keep going because their friends are going because they, they've got this friendly environment to the trainer. They're not just going to the gym and do a selfie and uh, you know be, have that aesthetic component. Right, and that that really is how, how I certainly found in terms of um, the adherence for older adults to continue training. Does that make sense in, in all that? What I was trying to say. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to run a half marathon uh, in five weeks uh, for uh, the American Cancer Society, and uh, so my granddad passed away from cancer. He played tennis till he was 80. So that's where I get my tennis. You know, we talked about the tennis already. So uh, I'm just thinking of him, and he would have played tennis uh, with his buddies, and he wouldn't have been running around the place. You know, he wouldn't have been getting the the, the best workout, but the social element doing a little bit of exercise the consistency like i think it was like twice a week he did it like till he was 80 so it's like everything you said there it doesn't have to be like a marathon or anything crazy it's just um something more as well than like you know for for, for looks it's like the selfie is not helping anyone like you know if you're if you're doing a game of doubles tennis where you're having the crack with your friends, you might have tea or a drink after or whatever, um, get so much more out of it. But I think, I think that's something that people don't really get. They don't really sort of think, when they think exercise, they think of like, you know, no pain, no gain. And it's like social element, you know, I'm talking about the runners like uh, Kipchoge and stuff. My social element is seeing other people that inspire me. Like, you know, there's like, um, there's a guy right now and he's 50 years old trying to be the fastest uh, over 50 marathon runner. Ken Rideout is his name. And he is trying to do it in under like 225, two hours, 25 minutes at 50 which is outrageous so you know that's kind of like I, I don't want to say that's my community but that's kind of like I get it, it's it's more than just I'm running and it's pain you know so do you think people don't really get most out of exercise because they don't see all the other benefits outside oh. of the physical well you just, I mean you've just touched on so many good points there I have to say In re- okay so relation yeah so first of all your granddad's maybe your granddad whether he's playing doubles tennis twice a week or singles whatever it was right uh, there's a skill element to that first of all right? whether he's good or not so does that there's a coordination and balance element to that Okay. And yeah, he's not getting much of a cardiovascular. Let's be honest, about it. but the social aspect of that, you that you can't like. There's no value to put in that. There is no value, to, and that is very much underestimated. I do think, though, for those social tennis and golf, who I would deal a lot with, um, there still has you still have to stress the importance though of doing some resistance training or strength training. That doesn't have to be in a gym environment, by the way. That can be done using their body weight, as you made the point earlier. Squatting, getting up and down of a chair. That can be done. It doesn't have to be 100 kgs in your back. You know what your body weight or you can do a band or resistance training. So I do think that component has to be stressed, but the, you cannot put a value on 
as you said, the, 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 the social, of a tennis club or a golf. Then you made a really good point as well about uh, people, the value people place in exercise and why they exercise. And, and this, I have a huge problem with this, right? I really do. It bothers me a lot. So if I go off and around here. here here's the contra- controversial opinion for social media. Here we go. <laughs> no, but, no but I do believe, well, first of all, social media has, has ruined the fitness um, world because it's all about the selfie, right? It's all about like, look at me. That's all personal trends want to do. It's not about training you. It's about, look at me, look at James Timmons, look how ripped I am, look at my, but like, they don't care. So that's the first thing I hate. So they're not even giving a decent message across and it's all fake. So whatever, that's a side note on that. Secondly then is about the benefits of exercise. And I know because I go to a commercial gym myself, I see it. I see young people, they're taking steroids. See, I can see the, See the needles, right? Um, I listen to what they're talking about. Um, you know, it's all about the supplementation they should be taking, which there's nothing wrong with. I'll get to in a second, but I just want to make I make a point about this. And then they're all in in the change rooms, literally look at their packs, look at their six packs, so-called six packs. They do with their tops off in the gym. So their only reason for going is aesthetic purposes. And I have no issue with that, right? I don't have an issue with going for aesthetic, but that is a very minor, minor component of why you should train. However, it's probably why 99% of the population do train, right? So it's a minor component why you should train, but it's probably the reason why most people do train. So that's the, the kind of caveat to all that, right? The, the, I have this argument with friends all the time. They say, oh, you only go to the gym to X, Y, and Z. I said, no. I said, I go to the gym actually to de-stress. And it's from, from a totally mental perspective. But also, obviously, I'm well versed and studied in the environment. I understand, you know, the, the, the metabolic component that it has inside you. I understand the, the strength benefits have in terms of your, you know, prevention in later life falls, you know, the, the, your bone density, uh, maintenance of lean muscle tissue, you know, all, you know, possible prevention of cardiovascular disease, you know, prevention of cancer. I'm not saying that these things aren't going to come up, uh, bestowed upon me, but I am saying that you're giving, your, you're giving yourself the best opportunity to live as long and healthy as possible if you train with that mentality. I prefer personally when I train with individuals or groups is to give them not, um, you know, it's very hard to say to someone, okay, we're going to train and just, you know, because we're going to, re- re- you know, we're going to re- reduce the cholesterol in your blood. I mean, I like, sorry, that could be a reason, but it, 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 you're probably better off giving someone a performance goal. So as you, whether it's on the rowing machine, whatever it is, or running or cycling, and you try to improve in that performance aspect, do you know as a trainer in the background that actually all the training you're doing is actually going to help, you know, X, Y, and and I think that's the real factor that's really uh, not understood out from the general population that the benefits of exercise are very little to do with aesthetics and actually really to do with your health performance. Yeah, 100%. So I never really ran when I was younger. I only like, I think I did about like, you know, maybe five long runs like in, in my uh, years before uh, I started doing the half marathons recently. And I literally put it in my calendar. This is like anxiety management running. So like, you know, if I don't get activity in and exercise in, I get more anxious you know or i even get like a little bit depressed so i started telling myself you're going to get more anxious you're going to get more depressed if you don't do this so it's sort of like something like a doctor might say and uh it wasn't that uh i knew for a fact that like go for a run and feel like zen out or like you know on cloud nine but it was like what else can you try like you know as in what's your what's your best bet apart from exercise and i knew over time then i started to realize that with the exercise Maybe I didn't feel amazing, but I didn't feel the anxiety. I didn't feel the depression. It was like um, I kind of was at a kind of, you know, a six out of 10 type of kind of mood, we'll say, you know, as opposed to being really stressed out or whatever it was afflicting me. So um, exercise is like your best bet to, uh, I'd say, manage your mental health. And then you'll feel better about yourself if your mental health is 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 good, because, you know, I'm sure you've been lean before and it's not, it's not at all it's cracked up to be, to be lean, you know? It's kind of, it's, it's like, <laughs> but, it, but to be really, you know, like to be, we'll say, uh, the leanest you've ever been, it is yeah, no, it, so it, overrated. It's, it's, well, you see, there's a great, um, is it by the guy from Precision Nutrition? There's an, there's a, um, what's his name? Variety. I think of Yeah, thank John you. John Variety. Yeah. yeah, John Variety, exactly. He wrote a great article on the cost of being lean. And actually, it's one article I share. And give to people, which you're right. The cost of being lean, like if you want to be, okay, if you want to be, say for, let's talk about male percentage body fat. If you want to be in terms of a tax, if you want to be 18, between 15 and 18, yeah, that's very achievable. Not too bad. If you want to be between 12 and 15, still think that's achievable. If you get down between 10 and 12, it becomes a bit harder. Sub 10 on a DEXA, you know, 
you're, you're working for that, you know, and you're, you're offsetting, you know, going out or drinking or whatever your, you know, desserts, all these things. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lifestyle choice you have to make if you, if you, if you do want to be that. Big, of course. So some people do like, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think the cost of being mean is a great article, first of all, but you're right. I think you, you have to understand what you're trying to achieve. Um, but I do believe on your point about the mental health, about, you know, less stressful. I, do, I don't think anyone ever feels bad after a session, unless it's a lactate session where you're going to get sick, which I don't, but I mean, no, but, but in terms, of, I don't, I, I don't believe anyone ever feels bad after a session. And actually what it does do is, particularly people who want to look better, let's say, if you do train, right, uh, you may, you may not have dropped much body fat. Actually, you may have barely had any body composition change at all. Because you feel better yourself, you look in the mirror and you think you look better. And so if you're depressed or you're feeling low or stressed, you'll have what's called body dysmorphia and you'll start to look at yourself in a bad light. Whereas if you're, if you're cardiovascular fitter, you'll see yourself in a better light and you'll start to feel less pain. And what I mean by that, I like, I, sorry, I'm, I kind of digress a bit there, but we used to, I used to work in a back pain specialist clinic. And not, for lots of different reasons why people would come up with back pain. But you know what we used to do straight away? Straight away. The first thing we do is get them fitter. I, 50% of the people who get them fitter are paying because, because they start to feel better about themselves. And now I'm not saying, sorry, some people did have, proper, uh, have issues. I'm not, I'm not saying, I never doubted someone said they, but I'm just saying that if you're cardio, if you're, if you are just, your cardiovascular fitness is better and you're feeling stronger, globally stronger, I think you're, you're, you're going to be in less pain. You're going to feel better about yourself. And you're going to see yourself in a better place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny. I had a, a client recently who came to me eight months ago with back pain. And uh, it's kind of, we're talking off air about like, you know, people, they, they think they want, you know, for example, the six pack abs or they want to see this cool new supplement or whatever, but what they need could be totally different. So this client was like, you know, afraid to do deadlifts, afraid to do like heavy training. And I just kind of slowly but surely started like putting in a little bit. And over time, their back pain went away because basically they got stronger and fitter themselves. Like, you know, they turned up for the session and stuff. So that's actually a lot of the work that like people need to do is kind of like, sure, you know, do stuff you enjoy, like bicep curls or whatever sport it is. But then also do a little bit of like, uh, if it's cardiovascular work, like do a longer run to get that base of fitness in or do, you know, uh, some kind of like compound movement to, to really get your, your strength up because that's where the real benefit lies so you kind of need to get like a mix of um, what you enjoy definitely get like an enjoyment out of what you're doing don't purely do it for the benefit but then also um, try and have some specific goal in terms of like the uh, the benefit you're trying to work on because like you don't get stronger by like you know resting and stuff like that if you have back pain or um, you know if you're feeling down like you know if you stay inside and you don't get outside like you get stronger by i guess kind of testing yourself i would say so yeah that's that's, that's really important um totally and, totally yeah and it, just a question i'm thinking of do you think there's any people out there who like genuinely don't enjoy it? exercise but let's say someone isn't active right and they're like a little bit overweight you know like that's a big problem i think people actually genuinely do not enjoy exercise or they're just kind of maybe they've low confidence or depression anxiety or an injury or something else okay like again this is just being opinions i i think it's you know very hard for me to speak on behalf of everyone here so what i think is this you touched on the point i think what i think it happens at a very young age i'll try to give you an example as a as a as children right people they, they grow up and people are so obviously this skill versus talent and different things some people are genetically you know are genetically uh, more sporty than others uh, let's say they use the word sport so what happens is they play a certain sport or they become active and they're fast or whatever and then yeah and then so they get positive reinforced and they do it they feel good and they keep going and they keep going and, they keep going, and then that becomes a lifelong kind of habit in a sport or activity someone at the start maybe who found it harder maybe was you know for whatever reason might have been slightly heavier or you know whatever might have been carrying excess body fat at a younger age for whatever reason they then would have lower confidence they don't want to do it because they feel out of breath and bad about themselves or whatever and they stop doing this so then while one person goes this way they go this way so then they get to a stage where do they does that person who's gone that way do they like exercise probably not because uh, they have gone down such a and I'm giving extreme examples I'm saying that they've gone down such a path that they they don't even like they, they it's in their head that this is not they're not sporty their exercise is not for them and etc etc now that's I think uh, a learned process over time I do believe that you know if they were to do it I think they'd start to see the health benefits from and start to feel better about themselves on the other side of the flip side of the coin the person's gone that do you like do they love doing exercise all the time no probably not they probably hate doing it sometimes because they're tired they want to rest but they do it because they're motivated to do it 
So like, I think there's a, so to answer your question, do I think there's someone who don't like Iceland? Yeah, I do. I do believe that. But I think there's a reason for it. Um, and um, as you said, it's probably a lot to do with confidence. I, I think that's really the, the word I would use. Is And I see it. I see it in my kids. I see it. I understand how that could happen. So it's kind of like a conditioning thing where the experiences they've had have led them. They might have, you know, uh, been bullied or they might have just, you know, uh, been unlucky or they might have been in a particular age group um, where like they tried and trained just as hard as anyone else, but maybe like they genetically you know for example basketball is the obvious one right so they're like they trained as hard as the next fellow but they were like five foot five or something so like they just were unlucky that way um so it's kind of like it's not that exercise they don't enjoy exercise it's that they just have been unlucky in the experience that they've had with exercise is that what you're saying yeah but then, yeah i mean it's, i mean the, the bar i mean yeah, yes yes i mean it could be to do with a sport or it could be just with exercise in general yeah but i think i like but again that's just my that's just like my opinion like that might not be true there might be just people who generally uh, just do not like exercise and and, and that's fine I mean, there could be top athletes, by the way, who, when they retire, they never want exercise again because they just don't like it. I mean, so, like, and I'm sure there is people like that. I, I deep down, would find it hard to believe that, that that is really the case. But, you know, if you tell me, if they tell me they don't, they don't. But I've never met anyone who, who said, I hate exercise, like, really hate it. I know people who find it very difficult to exercise, but I know if they're coaxed or persuaded to do it, that they do feel better after. That's a good point, yeah. I don't think I know anybody who hates it. There's definitely people who dislike it and uh, making me think the tennis again of Agassi. Did you read his autobiography? And yeah, 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 I did. I actually did. I did. Yeah, I did. I, I'm a big tennis fan, so I so his, his parents kind of almost forced him to play and he was he was actually happy to retire in the end yeah it's an, it's an interesting one like yeah now that's sport versus exercise of course but I mean they're two different things but yes it was nearly beaten into him that he had to do it so he ends up hating it so yeah again that, that's a whole other topic we could go into but uh, yeah I mean I, I did read that and that was very it's, it's very it, but like ultimately that boils back down to your environment that you're brought up in whether it's fam, a family environment or friend friend environment or school environment environment like like it's nature versus nurture like all those factors and particularly you know all those factors your your, your surrounding environment plays a massive role in how you develop both as a person and even how you you, you say your likeness to exercise or not 100 percent. yeah so you know we know i think it's like 60 percent of the population is, is overweight right so there and i know like the, the percentage of like i think it's in the u.s i think it's like only 25 i, I actually was told i i was quoted i quoted it's 25 percent of adults are doing sufficient exercise and then someone was like to me that's extremely generous He's, they said it's way lower than that, right? So we'll just assume that most adults are not doing enough exercise, right? So yeah. like, we'll say the recommendations they're getting are wrong about how to increase their tan. What would you say to someone who's like, I want to exercise more, but I'm just not. And it's like, I want to, but I'm not. I have two kids or I have this injury or I have a barrier. How how do they get to re- meet the requirement? Good question. Uh, I think there's two things. I mean, if I, I first of all, there's two answers to this. One is, if you're looking at the individual, just as an individual per person, what I would do personally is I would always try to feed into, look at their day as a whole, see what they like to do, and then try to integrate into their day. That, that's a, but in the overall, to answer your question in an overall sense, um, the recommendations are like, like they're all, regardless if you look at the NSCA or the ASCM or, you know, the general or the WHO guidelines are, you know, they say five by 30 minutes a week, and then they sit for cardiovascular work and then two strength sessions. They're so generic and they're ridiculous. They don't, they actually don't even, I, I like that was one of the things, that was one of the reasons my PhD question was made. It was because there actually is no recommendations, particularly for older adults. Sorry, there's recommendations, but they're just general and they don't actually give specifics. And we try to come up with specifics, but that's a separate question. To, to answer your question is, I would say you should, uh, people should take on board what's called exercise snacking, which is this like, so you have like what's called a snacking menu. And from your menu, like you do a weekly menu and then from that you can pick and choose where, what falls in. So it's like a food menu, but it's next to it. So for example, like you, you, rather than saying, right, well, I don't have time because I've kids or I've worked, whatever your excuse is, you go, okay, but I do have, you know, three, five minute slots throughout the day that cumulatively over, it lets even five days a week, seven, even if it's over six days a week. That would be 90 minutes, right, of work that could be done, right? And the beauty about five-minute exercise snacks are is that you can work at a very high intensity, right? So you can pick an exercise at a high intensity and do it, say, a three, five-minute slot straight the day over whatever, three, four, five, six days, whatever you decide it is, you will get as very, depending on what it is, whether it's strength, let's just say with cardiovascular, you know, you could get a uh, sufficient amount done even in that five minutes. So you could do like five minutes of body weight uh, strength exercises, 
you could do a five minute hit exercise of cardiovascular work and your man uh, Jabala from I think Canada he's done loads of work on like these one minute workouts but like now over a short period of time they do work in terms of you know uh, increasing your cardiovascular health I, I'd like to see them over a longer period to see if actually it's, if, if one it's sustainable and two if it's uh, if it, it, obviously I think this would be a huge plateau uh, like in terms of your, where you can the limits you can reach but I think if you do exercise slacking is the key in my opinion to uh, for people who are time poor to uh, augment their both strength and fitness kind of actual fitness and say mobility and flex. does that make sense the, the, the absolutely exercise. yeah yeah I'm thinking of uh, one of the other trainers in the gym so he benches something like three plates like 315 right like that was his most and I was like oh my god and he was like oh I do like loads of stuff for my bench right and he was saying he does push up and I was getting for a while there like such a good workout like five minutes of just doing as many push ups as I could and it's it's so effective you feel so good at after it you don't need much for it and i can imagine like someone who isn't very active they could do so many things like you know if they had bands even or if they just did bodyweight squats or lunges or you know hip extensions whatever so yeah th- that would really add up like if you did that for a few weeks five minutes twice a day it adds a lot look put it like this just in simple terms let's say you did it twice a day two five minutes five like let's say you did six days a week right just say right that's that's 60 minutes per week right? add that up over a year that's 50 hours that's 50 hours of, like 50 hours of good solid work that's a lot at that intent like you know uh, so it's just small cumulative bits over time and obviously the more you do the probably more you want to do and then the more you add on so it's it's the way to add up time and, and like it doesn't have to be a lot that's the key it doesn't have to be this big um inconvenience to your life as you said it can be five minutes of press ups you know planking press up plank I don't, I'm just giving you examples I mean you know squatting to a chair it can be just so many like there's a million exercises you can do like I have a library of them like I only when I with old rattles I only my mantra is I only work body weight and resistance and resistance bands out. it's not that I don't agree with weights but that's that's what I use you know so everything can be done that can be done from your own house absolutely yeah and if they could get into a gym I'd get them under the barbell just that's my bias <laughs> you were talking about uh, like removing like barriers to exercise as well and I'm just thinking of you were talking about like the DEXA scan and when I was lean like I was overdoing the exercise to get like 9% body fat and uh, you, you just if you're if you're really exerting yourself excessively like if it's not sustainable if you feel like you're doing too much you almost definitely are like, whereas the five minutes just sounds like golden like, you can really add up uh, five minutes across the week like, you could even do five minutes one day you could do uh, four by five another day so I think that's huge um, and then just another uh, bit of research you had and a point you talked about uh, sedentary behavior so basically being inactive right so the kind of opposite of everything we're talking about uh, I heard uh, sitting is the new smoking so let's say some people are kind of like I you know I sit down in the evening after work sure am I on my feet on my feet all day you know what's the big deal like you know I'm just sitting down but like should people be worried about how much time they're inactive in a day 100% I mean with modern the way we live as modern adults or even children well, let's say let's go talk about adults I mean, again, to give me a generalized point here, is that once you get up in the morning, you probably drive to work, you know, you're seated, and now I know with COVID things have changed, but let's just say, you know, you drive to work, you're seated in an office all day, you know, you probably have your lunch at your desk, you know, you come home, you're, you know, you could be commuting, and like, depending where you live in the world, like, you know, if you live, you could be commuting for one or two hours a day both ways, then you come home, you have your dinner, you sit down, you know, first of all, you've barely burnt any, you know, you haven't uh, burnt much energy, right, so in terms of your calorie, your caloric intake, you know, so you're probably over-consuming in terms of you're taking than, than your expense. Then you're sitting down, you're, you know, you're in a hunched position, it's bad for your posture, you're shortening your muscles, you know, you're, you're probably watching screen time sitting down, that's not good for you. So ultimately, cute, like, do it once, it's fine. Like, but I, there's nothing wrong with sitting down and watching telly, by the way, at all. I'm, I'm not saying that, and obviously people with their job, but I think what's really important to understand is, look at your day as a whole and say, right, well actually, am I being, how sedentary am I? Okay, well, I have to drive to work because I have no option. Like, okay, I have to sit at my desk I have no option. Okay, but could I have a standing desk? Maybe. Every hour at my desk, can I get up and do walk around the office for five minutes are there stairs in my office instead of taking the lift can I take the stairs I know these are obvious things but you know you know, can I do five minutes of stair walking that will get your heart rate low let me tell you you know when I get home can I can I instead of going home can I go straight to the gym before I go home because then I won't settle I get that work done when I go home as soon as I take off my work clothes can I go for a run can I go for a walk can I go for a side okay I have kids I can't need to put them to bed okay what I'll do is once I put them to bed before I sit down and watch my Netflix I will um, I'll do my 10 minutes of exercise slack I'll do some body weight resistance training banded only or I'll do some you know you, you yeah so I, I think it's important to understand how sedentary you are and then to say right yes sedentary behavior will kill you eventually because you're not you're you're not using your muscles so you're getting muscle wasted you're being in bad postural positions you're probably an over consuming on calories 
uh, you know, that all feeds into it. And then, you know, you're spending too much time on the screen. So, like, eventually, yeah, it is worse than smoking. And, uh, like, it will kill. Like, it, it's a small decline. It doesn't just happen overnight. But it uh, happens very uh, slowly. And then suddenly you go, what's happening? You know? And that's that's the, the reality of it. Compounds for sure. It's kind of like if you were to turn a blind eye to maintaining your car. And the little, you know, dings you have in the car or, you know, uh, the light going out or all these little things adding up over time. You know, apart from crashing the car, like, you know, and having that big major stoppage, like, over time, the car would eventually break down. Like, it would take months and years and stuff. So I think your body, yeah. even though I said not to use that example, it kind of, it is very much like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, I, I always remember this story sticks in my head. I was doing, uh, I was actually was flying back for an exam over in Scotland for my master's. And uh, there was a girl on the flight next to me. A woman. Like, I was early 30s, so she was probably in her 40s. And she, I was just kind of on my laptop, you know, studying, basically. And she said, oh, she mentioned some point to me. And I, she said, oh, what do you study? And I said, oh, I'm doing a master's, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, well, well, like, you know, you're lucky. But wait, wait once you hit 40, it's all there. And in my head, I was thinking, it was, um, sorry, that's a complete lie. Like, that is not true. That is not true at all. I go, yeah, once you hit 40, if you've been doing nothing since you're 20, well, then you're going to know it's different. But it doesn't just suddenly happen, my friends. Like, you know, obviously I, I didn't say that to her, but like, there's this thing in people's head. Oh, um, oh once you hit 60 or what? Uh, like, that's just society, society making stuff up. Like, it's complete rubbish. It's at, like, it's, I just don't accept those answers at all. So um, I, I really don't. Yeah, that, that point of the 40, yeah, it's like a 20 year compound, whereas it, it compounds the other way as well. If you just stay on top of your health, which is the hard thing. And this is why we're discussing it, you know, so. Um, well, if you take, there's lots of, re- like, there's like a good paper. I, I, I should I'd send you on the slide, but like if you look at a, a sedentary four-year-old versus a, an active seven-year-old, the active seven-year-old would have healthier muscle tissue than the, than the sedentary. So what does that tend to stay active? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you'll, you'll see that as well. You'll, you, you could be fitter at 70 than you were at 40 if you started exercising after 40. Obviously, don't do that. Try and start when you're young. Um, of course. But like, there's a, sorry, that's a good point to make though. Sorry, you always, obviously the earlier you start, the better, but it's never too late to start. And never. a really scary stat I'm going to give people is this. And it's, uh, it's I've taken it directly from Dr. Brandon Egan's uh, TEDx talk on sarcopenia. If you haven't seen it, by the way, I definitely recommend it. It's about 10 minutes of your time. So, But he puts up a stat there. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm quoting from him because it's he's obviously quoted from somebody else. But I'm not sure the original um, paper is that if, so if you have, as an older adult, have um, 10 days of bed rest, you will lose 8 to 10% of muscle. Right? Now, to put that in perspective, per decade, per decade, you lose roughly 8 to 10 So if you're bedridden as an older adult, you're going to lose the equivalent of what you lose in 10 days versus a decade. Now, that is one of the scariest stats. That should be, that I've ever seen. That should be on every hospital ward there is. Basically, st- like being in bed is the worst thing you do. So like, I know that's extreme case, of course, because you're lying down for 10 days straight. And obviously it's an older adult. But the point is, it's cumulative. If you're sedentary for a lot of the time, your muscles are wasted. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a better one. So I wrote a blog post just about like how to exercise for life, right? And I don't know what gave me this idea, but it was like hospitals are a detriment. You go into a hospital and you're sick, right? And you're sitting down and you're wrapped in cotton wool. You, you, you're, you're, I guarantee you go into a hospital, you're coming out sicker. You might have treated the disease, whatever the disease was, but you're coming out muscle wasted, think you're frail. I'm like, get rid of all the beds out of the hospital. And I mean that you'd be better off. And if you're just, you're going to be, you're going to be in such a worse state when you come out and that kind of proves it, that that muscle loss, um, the, the detraining effect of being sedentary, it's killing people. Um, yeah, in the UK, they have a thing what's called PJ paralysis. Okay, so basically, you're in your PJs. So what they're trying to encourage is that, you know, when you go in, you're being active. Uh, so my brother, I'll just give you a quick story. My brother fractured his ankle two weeks ago. Don't go into the details of how it happened or why it happened. But anyway, he did, he had two operations and the second one was delayed because of swelling, etc. So he ended up being there for two weeks. And But I told him, uh, you know, get, go to the physio, ask for pan weight, ask for bands, you know, uh, because you need to, because you're lying down for two weeks. I know mean, he's, he's like, he's late 30, so he's not, but still, like, you know, he's going to get massive muscle weight even in two weeks of doing nothing, you know? So, and like, in fairness to him, he did it. But like, uh, I'm sure they thought he was crazy, but like, that's the reality of it. You're very right. Um, hospitals are a death. They're necessary. I mean, you know, you need to go there obviously to be looked after, but you know, you're right. You win on one thing and you come out with another thing. That's the problem. Yeah, you're just detrained from being in that. One thing I was thinking of when you're making all the points about like how to uh, increase your Appearance is self-belief, right? So I'd imagine somebody who's low on confidence or just inactive, and they're just going to have excuse after excuse after excuse, and rightly so, because they haven't done it before, right? So with becoming more active, how important is like the mental side of it and just believing in yourself? Like, and, and where can you get belief from if you don't have it? Well, that's a great point. I think, well, I mean, so, but where can you get belief from if you don't have it? I think you either, I would always recommend someone to uh, buddy up with someone, so like with a, with a mate or a friend or buddy of a state of the States, or you know, a family member or something like that. So someone that you can actually train with. So 
that makes that makes you much more likely to do it first. There's obviously I, I can only like this can go across ages, but particularly for older adults, often people feel less confident that they haven't done it for years, and then when they're put into an environment like a gym setting that they think is for young people, that can be very intimidating and off-putting, and then they lose more confidence. So I think what's really important is to understand the well if you are the trainer, understand the individual who you're training, understand what they what their needs are, but as the individual themselves, to understand right. Okay, I am low in confidence to recognize. You know, I haven't done this in a while. So what I'll do is I'll start off just with my friend or my family member or my spouse and I'll do it in the comfort of my own home or I'll do it in my back garden or I'll do it in my locality that I don't feel it, right? And then as time goes on and they start to feel better, you know, the confidence starts to, to go. I know particularly for people and it's not an area that I'm an expert in and people I deal with much, but people who are particularly obese or overweight, there a lot of issues they have are is that the self-confidence is so low. They won't even go outside to exercise on their own because they're embarrassed that people will see them. But like, it, that is just like, if you take a step back and look at that, it's very sad, but it's ridiculous because by, by not embracing it, they're, they're going to stay in, 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 in this bad state. Whereas if they embrace it and do it and just get over that initial hump, their confidence will start to go up. So my advice really is to try, as the individual try to understand where you're at, as the trainer or sports scientist looking after the person, to try to understand the individual and then try to partner them up with either in an environment that you know will be correct for them, whether it's a group of like-minded people or whether it's a, a friend or family member that can give them the confidence and motivation to do it. That, that's what I would say. It's really finding the right environment. Yeah, absolutely. The environment. F- find an environment that suits you. And I, I have a friend, we go for a walk once a week and I, I, you know, I'd be on my feet all day on the gym floor and I'd be wrecked. This fella, we, he's so committed to going for a walk. It's brilliant for me. So only for that he wants to go on the walk that, that we go. So I, I would say that when you are low on motivation, which you will be, if you have someone or a group of people who are already going, that kind of group momentum will carry you forward on the days when you're low on momentum. And you'll do the same for them as well because you can't always rely on motivation or self-belief, but you can get it from other people for sure. Like we all have different levels. So that's, yeah, yeah that's huge. Yeah. I, I just, I just really quick last point that I, I think, you know, motivation comes from within. I do, I do think that ultimately for the long-term sustainability maintenance component of this, you do need to have inner strength and belief and inner motivation. I, I, that's why I firmly believe. However, I think it's very important if you do like your walking friend, you have someone to go with. You're, 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 you don't want to let your friend down. That's the reality of it. So you'll do it. So I, I think, I think, I think both are really. Yeah, it starts with from within. Like, so for example, I run, I do the hardest stuff because for my mental health, but then that walk is social and it's also, you know, my, my good friend. Um, yeah, great. Yeah. So James, this has been brilliant. Is there any kind of final message you want to wrap up with or any links or anything you want to plug? Well, no, the final message for everyone is, it's just like, you know, uh, you know, uh, to, to feel better, you got to move a lot, right? So as you age, and by the way, you're aging when you're born. So what I mean by that is, but you're particularly aging from 30 onwards with a slight decline, let's say, in, in lean muscle tissue and strength, a very slight. Don't use age as an excuse. As you said, Ross, you know, as you're getting older, don't slow down, keep going. And remember, benefits of exercise are not aesthetic. They are a very minor component of that. If you want to focus on aesthetics, look at your nutrition. If you want to focus on exercise, think about it for your metabolic health, getting increases in strength, you know, trying to prevent diseases you age, trying to match your health span your life. That's really all I want to say. And if you do want to check out what I do, go to www.youagewell.com. That's Y-O-U-A-G-E-W-E-L-L.com. I'm an online platform where I try to help old us.